Welcome to the Maximum Role Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. Joining us today from Illinois, we have the podcast Infinities in Gaming. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks I'm, for having us. Right I'm on. Eric. Uh, Steve. I'm Steve. I'm Tony. All right, cool. Welcome. Who Who's the DM? Or, well, so interestingly enough um our podcast is a little bit different we actually have five dms um yeah our entire uh basis and kind of what we think kind of sets us apart is we actually so we have seven players but of those seven players five of them are dms and we basically rotate every few episodes slash sessions so um, base so yeah basically what we have going on is that each dm has their own piece of this greater story that we're trying to tell okay. what through most mostly through having our own bbegs um in the world that our party has to find and solve the issues with and so every time one of our dms finishes um a part of their story they swap in as a player and let one of the other dms take over for a bit so so how do you guys determine is it like a, a spin of the bottle flip of the coin uh, it's kind of whoever volunteers like? for the next part um it's kind of whoever's ready um we actually kind of did that because we're all you know professionals outside of the gaming industry like we all have separate jobs and we've struggled as players to be able to get together and actually get sessions in and if you know we're one of those typical groups where if one or two people are out you kind of didn't hold the game because you're at a crucial point in the story that you didn't want to leave somebody out of. Right. And so we wanted to design our, our group system to support, Hey, if somebody needs to sit out this week, we can still run. We'll just run a different spot of a story and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And also, it also helps with uh, DM fatigue because oh, yeah. uh, you could DM for uh, one or two, uh, three sessions, and then you won't have to for another, I don't know, four or five weeks. Well, that's good. I like that. It was something that we came up with. Uh, we actually went to a convention out in Indiana called Drolicon, uh -huh. and we met some other podcasters out there. And, you know, they, they're all the very typical, you know, hey, we have a DM, we have players, and that's how we do it. But we, as, you know, busy working people, were like, hey, we can do this. You know, let's find some way to podcast this, but at the same time make it so, yeah, we can play with whoever shows up and make it fun. So, yeah, we designed, um, we call our world Flux. Um, nice. just for fun and it's basically it's a ritual gone bad there's five wizards that tried to save the planet and when it went wrong they saved what they could of it it happens to be this tiny island now that just floats in the middle of space and time and each dm gets a wizard that's a part of this ritual and the players are trying to kind of put the pieces back together to kind of reverse the effects of what happened that's kind of cool i like that yeah yeah it's a lot of fun it's yeah it's really neat that you know we can collaborate to some degree of the bigger picture but inherently we've said each dm is responsible for their wizard and their whole side of that equation and so they have their own worlds their own universes whatever they need to be able to handle their side of of what's going on and then we're just kind of as it is kind of loosely tying a lot of that stuff together into like a bigger picture for the the universe as a whole so you guys use the same characters for each dm or do you have different characters per dm uh, uh, we use the same party members for each DM. So we're, we're telling an overall arcing story that involves one party of sometimes reluctant adventurers <laughs> <laughs> um, who have been thrown into the situation against their will. And basically, to do the DM thing, we have our own character and rotate that character in and out um, for whatever reason um, as they go on their mission. So that way... The DM doesn't have to keep track of their character, plus all the other characters, plus the NPCs, and all that stuff. So, how do yeah. magical yeah. items work? Do you guys how how does that work for different DMs? Do you guys have like a specific magic item limitation, or do you guys just trying to like uh, agree on what you can? Well, some of us, uh, a lot of us, are very experienced players, and uh we can kind of gauge the power levels of what's going on and so uh, we're reasonably cautious as to not give a item that will just be used ruthlessly to destroy another dm's story or 
uh, Eric, for instance, um, the bone handle for your wizard, like it only right. It was primarily an item for my world. Um, but then once my section of the story was kind of finished, I turned it into a magical item that has a, it's kind of a time turning effect. It basically allows the the player, actually it's Steve's character, Theus, uh, that has it, but it's basically a dagger that allows him now, because my whole part of the story had to do with time travel. And it was basically going back and fixing a moment in the past that was bad. Um, and so like now he's got this dagger that basically he can uh, like re-roll once a day any result he wants it's a very minor fix but it's kind of a cool magic power to have that ties back to my story yeah. so yeah, it doesn't break uh, anybody else's stories yes the magical time warping bone handle that the rogue keeps in his pants yep <laughs> many of, jokes have been made about the bone handle <laughs> i was gonna ask about that because i heard that in the episode i was listening to, i'm like what is he talking about and they're yep. laughing about it and i'm like oh i'm obviously i have to go back to yeah i mean yeah we we definitely make a lot of references and callbacks but yeah because as a part of mine it's my wizard was basically conned by an evil prophet to (laughs) become like a necromancer and she basically had to kill her own best friend um kind of as a part of everything and so yeah and so the players are going back to not only kill this guy but also save her best friend and as a part of that i in my head this dagger she had that was part of the ritual um, was a bone made from her best friend as a reminder of the evil deed she kind of committed. So it was a bit dark, but yeah, so he was basically holding around a, a little girl's femur bone that was used as a... In his pants. A, oh my pants. God. I forgot about that part. Oh no. That yeah, it was only a, a minor detail in there. So. Oh no. Yeah. And you know, like, Magic items, um, you know, at how we've handled it in the game is that if we reach into a point in the game and we feel that we are entirely underpowered, we'll be like, it's time to go shop into the enchanter shop. Let's go. And yeah, we yeah. just hand out the appropriately leveled magic items like candy. Yeah, we've definitely done that where it's like, oh, hey, um, nobody has like even a plus one magic weapon. So uh, <laughs> everybody pick one. <laughs> and by that point, I think we we're already like level seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we've definitely been less focused on the gear. And even when we do throw out items, it's usually more fun roleplay stuff than yeah. it ever has really been like, oh, yeah, here's something that'll actually help you in combat. Yeah, no, no, we luckily we don't have anyone who like really wants to min max in our games. Everyone's more focused on creating interesting characters with interesting aspects for role playing and making their character feel very fleshed out rather than being, well, I am the ultimate fighter and I will kill everything. Well, to be fair, we do have Bardus, the Goliath Cuddle Master. He's pretty much min-maxed his character to be able to pick up, what is it, like two tons of weight? and Yeah, he but did, all he does he did, is grapple. Yeah, but he did drag <laughs> one of uh, Dom's uh, creatures, what, over to a bridge and throw it overboard one time? Yes, and yeah. that is amazingly more creative than just going, I smash oh, yeah. it, it dies. <laughs> no, and I, it's, it's, it's wonderful the way he does it. But yeah, he totally designed an entire barbarian around the ability to grapple and bring somebody to the ground prone so basically everybody can just run over and stab it and that's all he does he just holds it down so we all get advantage on it nice yeah and by the way just uh because eric had mentioned it we also have two other dms that are not here and uh that would be uh dom and charlie so um, they're with their children may they rest in peace (laughs) they're not dead And then, yeah, we also have, so my wife plays, and then my sister and Charlie's wife um, also play. So, yeah, my wife plays a ranger with uh, Snowflake, her white tiger uh, companion. And then uh, my sister plays, actually, it's one character, but it's five different personalities. (laughs) And she rolls, basically, every time they go through a portal to figure out what her eye color is and what her personality is. So she could be the, what is it? The rogue that always runs away, or she could be the, the fighter that basically just wants blood. <laughs> like, so there's a huge range of emotions that can come out of her. That's wants what I, pugs blood. That's, yeah. that's what I liked about the intro for her. Um, Cause she didn't tell you guys that until I, she introduced her character. And so it caught everybody off surprise. So I did listen to that. Uh, okay. Her intro. So I was like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. I like that. You know, that's, that's unusual for a, a, you know, a player to be like, oh, I'm going to play five different voices and I'm not going to tell anybody yet. And, you know, yeah. to, to take that on, we'll see how far 
that you know that goes but well and, and she she started fire. with four i mean she told us before the podcast she was doing four and then somewhere halfway in we found the fifth personality when we kind of really stressed her out um and and then yeah so that's been fun but yeah and, and she has names for each of them individually and then at some point i think it was actually tony that was like we need some way to shorten it down because calling you kyle axel isabel and flick gets to be long and so they shortened it to kizaflixel so that's like how she introduces herself now <laughs> and then it's usually once we get into somewhere it's like uh what color are your eyes oh they're red yeah let's everybody stay away from this one <laughs> perfect yeah more so my guy avoids <laughs> only for some reason my, my guy door battering ram for some reason i don't know why yeah because our, our warlock i don't get our, that. our worlds <laughs> have portals that we kind of use as a, a gateway to get from flux to wherever the dms need us to be um and sometimes they appear and they people walk through them and sometimes they appear underneath you and suck you in it just depends on how reluctant people are but yeah usually it involves um kiss of flixel picking up puck and then battering ramming him through the portal just for fun and it's become kind of a <laughs> an event i guess for every episode i like that yeah i i love homebrew games my game is completely homebrew uh we have zones that they got season two is zone two so they're about to go into like a D style zone one was more borderlands desert okay. starting level area and uh yeah so our characters are pretty wild as well yeah no it's fun it's fun to play around with that stuff and yeah we decided to do that because yeah it just makes it so much easier to have one home base and it, we do several episodes or we've done several yeah a few episodes just around the town and you know we can use that as a jumping point which is fun yeah my original plan was like one or two episodes they go into this town that they've hung out in and about seven episodes later they finally leave the town to make their way to like <laughs> this next area they're still trapped in the, the starting town, just messing with people and doing little side jobs and stuff. And uh, it's you, you never know, like as a DM, you never know where your, your characters are going to walk five feet that episode or, or that game session, or are they going to go out and do a long adventure? So it's always interesting to see how they uh, interact with uh, whatever you throw at them. Oh, yeah. And you can never predict it. Yeah, our group is typical of... You know, you throw a big bat at them, they won't let a monologue. But you throw a little person running around town, you're like a little kid in town, and they want to know the entire backstory of <laughs> where he was born, you know, who his parents are, what his quest is, what his motivation is. Yeah. Well, once I told my my character, my players, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm putting all these sound effects in. So every time you say you want a doorbell or something goofy now everybody's like being very specific <laughs> i draw my blade drag it on a rock dude i'm like oh you bastards <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you don't offer sound effects yeah oh, that's yeah. why we just make our own sound effects you know well, we just no, all right and you hit the rock bing <laughs> nor, normally i just pass it up but i have a lot of ocd so i'm like sitting there i'll sit there and look find it and then i'm like i'll show you and they're like, yeah, you're showing us. All right, you know. <laughs> and I cut a single blade of grass. And then you need to find that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a little, so with my players, I'm a little, I do it differently. Like my barbarian to rage. Uh, again, all my players are from like the real world. And then they get sucked into my world. So they're all like okay. humans. And the barbarian, he has to read a rejection letter from a college because he's an ex-football player from high school that never got accepted so anytime he wants to go into rage he has to read a rejection letter from some university or or college and then he goes into rage and that's uh, pretty funny yeah so <laughs> he's always getting funny stuff or he just won a trophy his first win he did a go-kart race in the game and he won uh we killed all the other drivers but he got, he won so he got this trophy so he's always walking around with like this giant totem because uh, he's a barbarian that's his totem is a first place trophy and he uses as uh his his uh totem in the game is that a totem of the bear or a totem of the... <laughs> uh you know i can't remember what he did about to say because usually of... yeah that's tied to like the aspect of it's what you're totem barbarian. It's, winning, to but... it's the totem of a winner i was about to say tony <laughs> yeah, yeah totem, of, totem of winning the totem <laughs> yeah. of pizza and ice cream <laughs> yeah anytime he wants to like get some extra buffs he has to set it out it has to be exposed and 
people have to see it and he has to show it off. Look at my trophy. Look at it. <laughs> yeah. So he's always telling people, I won. You know, he's really getting into his character. And then we have a bard and she plays music. And if she would sing to the song, the I put a lot of soundtracks behind her when she goes to play her music. So when she does her bardic inspiration or whatever, I'll throw in like a guitar tune in the background as it's casting and doing things. Nice. I'm like, oh, if she'd just sing to it, I would give her more you know, buffs to it, but <laughs> go with the rest. Yeah, we haven't we haven't really messed with a bard. And actually up until recently, we didn't even have anybody with Arcana in our entire I know. I know, Steve. <laughs> so so what's what's your guys' uh your your game dynamics? what do you got in your, your parties? What, what what's what's the team rolling with? So I well, okay, I played a druid first. That lasted three episodes. I played a paladin for about sixty something episodes, and I switched over to wizard because we didn't have a lot of magic. Um, Steve plays a rogue. Uh, you're rogue magic. I am what is called a inquisitive rogue. Inquisitive is my subclass, and I am a half elf drow, Whoa. and I like to shoot things. It's a cool combo. Yeah, and then puck. Which is Tony. Yeah. Uh, I play uh, uh, a changeling um, sorcerer warlock, and I am useless. He is useless <laughs> by choice. I just want to make that clear. I was going to say, um, that's a badass combo right there. <laughs> yeah. No, except for no, all you do I, is Elders Blessed and Blind. I, I We were discussing, no, none of the group is truly min-maxer. I min-max for entertainment, so everything is like used on the party rather than towards bad guys. Unless you you're just, trying to blind them, which fails. And, and yeah. you just recently discovered using enlarge on the barbarian. Aided. Because now the bar. So we do have, yeah, Charlie plays Bardis, our Goliath barbarian. Um, and he's like an old man from like his world that, like, I guess he didn't he get beat by a bear or something kinda, like that. He's kind of like very old man Logan like. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he's, he's like, you know, that 50 year old big guy from the mountains who's been forced to. Run around with all these kids trying to save the world. He's kind of like Hulk Hogan in a way. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and so he, yeah, he, he, since his goal is to basically cuddle and grapple everything, when, uh, yeah, when Puck discovered Enlarge, now he just begs for it. He's like, I want to see what, how big a creature I can cuddle. Um, and we've been up against a gigantic, uh, creature. We've well, right? been against a gargantuan recently, too. The tentacle. Um, the mm. no nah, maybe not the tentacle but sarah said her one oh, creature in her one clown. shot was gargantuan <laughs> size yeah gargantuan clown um and then we also have uh anorin who is played by dominic one of our other dms um and he is an elf cleric of the sun yeah he gets nice. afraid of everything darkness and just casts light basically everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah but, like like Casting like, like casting darkness for a smoke screen to run away, and then he casts daylight, which dispels, and it's like, God damn it, Norn. Yeah, but <laughs> and then, I, I'd say we don't necessarily say we have to have like, was it the Holy Trinity? Like, I think that was yeah. what was confusing because Eric was just saying up until recently we didn't. By recently, that means we've been running for about a year with a character with no knowledge of Arcana because Sorcerer doesn't need to know crap about magic. Just yeah. does it. <laughs> but there were so many instances where we were up against something that was magical and it was just like, even by DM's discretion, it was just like we'd throw something out there that was like, oh yeah, roll an Arcana. And everybody's like, uh, a what? <laughs> like, you want religion? You want history? It keeps the mystery. I like it. But yeah, because I, I ran a paladin, which I, I mean, between me and Bardis, we pretty much were playing the tank of the group and taking up all the, the heavy hits. And then, yeah, once we lost Lokar, well, lost is a relative term. Um, <laughs> he's still a bit in limbo right now. Um, he, uh, yeah, I, I rolled a wizard specifically thinking that I'm like, well, we kind of need Arcana, and I've kind of always wanted to play Wizards, so I pulled out a human wizard. But the fun thing I actually like about my character, so, uh, like, I don't know, what is it, about 15 episodes back at this point, when they finished up my arc of the story, um, I imagined that, like, my wizard came back from being this evil necromancer to actually being, like, a helpful, like, wizard spirit, and she ended up making, like, a whole college and creating this town I created that they went back to in the past basically started to flourish. And as a part of that, I actually made my new character the son of her best friend that was saved by the party. 
So now I have a character that was basically only exists because the party went back in time and saved this universe. And now he can exist. And they went basically back to be rewarded in a way like, oh, hey, you should come see the village that you helped save. And he basically yeah. was like, I want to get away. I'm coming with you guys and I'm going to help you out in any way I can. Yeah, he's, so, the, yeah he's, he's like apparently this... the, the son of that aforementioned bone handle. Yeah, technically. <laughs> Yes, I got your so. mother's bone right here. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting. You guys got a, a wiki page to keep track of all this? Uh, no, it's just our heads. <laughs> and we do have, uh, yeah, we have one patron that absolutely eats up all of our episodes. Shout out to Brady when he listens to this at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, shout out to Brady and his friends and everyone. He's trying so hard. <laughs> to he loves us, yeah. He, he, oh, is yeah. Our, he is our free PR. Because he, yeah, he started, I think what, he finally got in contact with us, I don't know, about 30 episodes at this point ago, and he listened to our podcast, and like, he was so enthralled with how we played, and it was so much his style that he listened, like, he just super binged all of our episodes and caught up and just was so thankful for what we had done for him. And yeah, he started like, he, he like touts us out wherever he can. He's always listening to us. He works in like a motor shop or something like that. He started his own D&D group with his family and friends and he talks to us for ideas and everything and then his family and friends curses our names because we give him really good ideas they're really bad for them and i mean he's been really supportive of us and it's been really nice to have that positive feedback from someone for doing this podcast yeah and we did i mean we did several episodes you know i think we were 30 episodes in deep before we even knew that anybody was listening to it per se and I, I think all of us were almost disheartened to want to kind of take a break from it or step back. And, you know, when he started listening to us and he's like, no, you guys are great. You know, I love all this. It like gave us a boost and let us know that, hey, you know, what we're doing is actually somebody's actually interested in it. And then having that discussion and seeing all that kind of shape out was was a lot of fun for us. And, you know, we're all really friendly. So, you know, for our followers and everything, we have an open discord where we chat with everyone and we're always actively talking. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We play ourselves as the D and D support group. Um, yeah. He, he's, he's notorious for coming into our, our discord and being like, Hey, I'm trying to do this for a campaign. Anybody have any ideas on how to do something like this? And like, he's looking for <laughs> monsters or ideas or things like that, that he can use, you know, for his own. Yeah. And, you know, and we're totally willing to do that. Like that's something even us as a friend group have kind of, always done it's just like a hey you know we'd like to do something in this realm what could we do and you know we throw ideas off each other and it's just a lot of fun to kind of theorize all that out yeah uh, you should should have him on for his birthday or whatever but he'd be tickled to be on as a guest npc for an episode well i can't say that we haven't talked about doing something like that <laughs> i made the mistake of saying hey anybody wants to be a, a npc and I, i'm still getting hundred messages on on facebook <laughs> like hey you still looking for someone i'm like damn <laughs> <laughs> one of those Maybe things you regret <laughs> you know i don't regret it i'm like oh sure i could try to fit this in but then at the same time it's like we record you know european time and so like a lot of people can't make it so i try to do what i can but i never want to turn people away that's the one thing about D D. you just never want to uh like ignore your fans because right again dungeons and dragons over the last uh, i've been playing since 88 so in the late 80s and early 90s dnd was like a taboo world and you know just recently in mid 2000s they uh you know it came back as like a awesome cool thing families involved it's like having bars in the united states on the west coast you know they were dank dingy little holes and now they're family oriented uh (laughs) setups that's my analogy for D &D. it's the same you know the dark dungeon yeah well yeah you got to figure in the 80s it was yeah it was totally religiously taboo you know everybody was thinking it was going to summon satan and all that other stuff and yeah, now it's like, oh yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, what are we playing? Like, so many. Wait, people you mean are we're not trying to summon Satan? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you know that's and that's the thing. Like, I grew up and it was like everybody's like, oh no, you play Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, that's horrible. And uh, even when I went to trade school uh, before I joined the military, uh, we had to call it Yahtzee. You know, and oh. <laughs> couldn't call it D and D. Had to call it Yahtzee, and then eventually. 
you know now people like there's famous people play D D. there's there's quite a few of them and then oh there's a ton of celebrities yeah like joe manganello is a big celebrity D dm like he holds sessions all the time for um you know for for a whole bunch of celebrities around hollywood and stuff i know i, I think that's I really could, cool i want to interview you know him and his crew i think that'd be really cool to do oh yeah uh, we got some pretty big names lined up um coming out i'll tell you guys after you know <laughs> after record i don't want to set myself up for failure oh yeah i didn't say anything yet you know uh, but yeah I'll, that's always the best when yeah you advertise something or you talk about something you're like oh now i gotta commit to that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i don't want to right steve for <laughs> <sighs> playing D &D. it's like you know that's the trick so you walk into a group of people and you just take the the player's handbook and you just throw it in the middle of the table and see who picks it up and you're like all right my weekend's set you know that kind of thing there you go show up somewhere like, oh my god i'm already committed to three groups at this point oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I find that's my problem. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and do second edition DD. And then, oh, I want to do a Riffs one. And then, you know, I have a Crumpets and Kerosene oh. fifth edition homebrew. And then I'm, I'll do an interview podcast. And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm going to take it to that next level where I'm like, oh, I just want to make it a podcast. Because that the yeah. idea of having listeners is a pretty big, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, podcasting started in 2009. And then D and D didn't really get on there until I think 2010, 2011, maybe maybe later. But sure, you know, having that knowledge and you know, it's no longer just around your table. You know, now you have right. that exterior uh, level of folks that come in and they're just they're viewing you and your world and. And that's when you get the, like the positive or negative feedback. It just, you know, it depends. I haven't had. Well, I think it's really nice. I mean, you got to figure with D&D, &D, it's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea was that it's a communal story and it's, it's nice to be able to share that communal story with other people. Like, yeah, we have a blast playing our games. We laugh a lot. You know, we tell a bunch of jokes and, you know, but it's, it's fun not only to have a recorded history of what we do, but yeah, anybody else that's interested in it, it's neat to have them kind of come in and <laughs> and be able to listen to it. And it's neat to go listen to other people's podcasts and get ideas for different story beats or like, Oh, I like the way that that worked in that specific scenario. I think I could build an entire campaign around that concept. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like one of the other games I run is also fifth edition, but it's homebrew setting ancient Greece oh, and nice. we don't podcast it, but I take in my little, uh, my little, dictation machine and i record every session we do and so <laughs> i share that with the group Go ahead. tell me yeah no that's cool <laughs> back in the day uh we used to put it on cassette tapes for a little bit a few games i wish i could find those i would totally put that on like <laughs> second edition legends you know just have some creaky old like tape recording of like the sessions where you can barely hear anybody and you know. oh that is, a, that is a whole aesthetic that is popular out there oh yeah i'm sure that, that people would eat that <laughs> up but i uh, you know i wish i did it you know more and you know to go back and have that history of gaming because it's a lot different than it is these days um, oh yeah definitely yeah. and especially with like uh twitch streaming uh i i don't i'm not into the twitch streaming world or youtube uh one of the members of the network they that's all they do he has about five twitch streamers underneath his his banner and that's all they do they're coming over to the dark side of audio only <laughs> uh but i'm like how do you how do you you don't edit you're just streaming so right whatever you say is out there so there's no let me edit that out let me let me let me take that back nope it's it's out there to the world and you know criticism and you know yeah but there's also i think there's something fun about that like yeah i mean the dark horse in the room you know obviously being like critical role uh, one of the big D, &D you know streaming podcasts whatever um i'm a huge fan of theirs but yeah i mean it, there is something about being on that bleeding edge of the streaming where yeah what you do is live and you know getting that live reaction and being a part of that i've gone to a couple of their live shows and it's it is extremely invigorating to see those same moments, you know, where they're getting tense. You also get tense with them and it's at the same time and you can feel that same emotion. That's, that's my goal is to have a con for my, my company and just have 
hundreds <laughs> of gamers surrounding me. We'll be in individual uh, cubicles, uh, table set up, and you can't really see each other because of you know the whole social distancing now. <laughs> uh, yeah, this whole pandemic thing. I'm sure every cubicle will have microphones, and uh, I think we lost someone. Yeah. It looks like Tony might have cut. He has spotty internet at best. He'll be uh, back. He'll be back. Uh, you know it. You know that's my goal. My my goal is to have a con one day and walk around and see the microphones up and people recording and just be like, yeah, awesome. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. So I know Steve wasn't there, but Tony was. Uh, it was Tony, Charlie, uh, Dom, and I that went to that Drawlicon out in Indiana, and it was it was such a neat uh, atmosphere, and it was very much like it was. You know, a little ballroom uh, in a hotel uh, down in Fort Wayne, but it was yeah. They basically had a stage set up, and they had you know the podcast to go up and do like a little live stream episode um, every so often, and it was really neat that to see that kind of like live you know action. That was the first time I had ever actually seen like a podcast live, and we saw one of the groups there. But I mean, otherwise, yeah, that con had, you know, people that were selling like handmade D&D stuff, like a girl was selling little beholders with magnets you could pin on your, on your shoulder. You know, people had board games. And so it was a little bit of a, obviously, because it was a podcast group, they did have some like board gaming stuff. And there was like a little VR arcade that was set up. But yeah, it was really neat to see all these people that were showing up to go watch, you know, these live podcasts and i think that's such a cool idea to be able to do that and have so many different podcasts set up with that i think that'd be a neat idea yeah that'd be cool i'm sure to be expensive and uh yeah that's that's just one of those cool things that you know you take D to that extra extra level and and you know that's one thing i love about fifth edition uh compared to the rest of the D modules and editions is that fifth allows you to have that digital world and have that digital presence over right you know, it's no longer your table or your basement or your attic or your bedroom you're now the world is your table and you can get players from everywhere you know it's not just your neighborhood friends yeah and that's the one thing i like that yeah we use discord um you know it's a great audio platform to be able to just jump in and we can even chat and stuff like that in the middle of things and and sort things out and and yeah and i think definitely with fifth edition it's just D beyond i mean it's just so accessible now that anybody can roll up a character and start playing and it's i remember it used to take like eight hours to make a character just oh yeah <laughs> just then... in trying to go through the books and and like there was never like a cheat sheet that, that said like oh yeah first pick this and then this and then this and then once fifth edition rolled around they actually were like oh yeah here's a basic character yeah and here's what we picked, but you know, go change any of these things you want, or yeah, you can just roll into D and Beyond and be like, make me something. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing about second edition. You spent so much time building the character, and then if you played a wizard, it had one D four hit points, you didn't have any constitution. Uh, you could have one hit point, and you know, <laughs> spent three four hours putting that guy together, and then you step out on the field, and that's it. <laughs> so yeah, here's a blank sheet. Start over. Yeah, I never, I, I think I had like one of the board games they had back in the day, but never even really got to play it. Like, I think I just stared at the material because I didn't really have anybody that was interested in playing it. But, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, that was such a great thing. What, what edition uh, do you guys, like, what's the, the edition you first started with? I started actually in high school with Riffs. Um, right. I had my chess club when I was a freshman in high school, I used to play Riffs kind of in the off time. Um, I actually have kind of a love-hate relationship with Rifts because I love the idea of Rifts, but the group I played with were bullies. Like, uh, they made me roll up a character and killed me in the first five minutes of the game so that they terrible. could basically desecrate my body. Um, and then my second character, they sold into slavery. <laughs> yeah, it was. It left a pretty bad taste in my mouth for, for role-playing games up until I was basically in college. But Were you, were you playing Atlantis at that point? That area for... Second character? No, it was a. Uh, I was playing. I had a. It was a. And actually, a rifter, one of the summoners mm. of the game. But oh, okay. I, I. I think my first action was to try to because you could open a rift at any level, oh. and I opened a rift. And when they rolled for it, I summoned like one of the biggest monsters out of the world and almost devastated things. And they're like, "Yeah, we can't have that. We're going to sell you into slavery." And I'm like, well, and then they made me go to the other 
so I couldn't even hear what they were doing anymore. So, <laughs> I mean, that mm. makes that makes perfect sense now. Before I felt bad for you. Now I'm just like, well, oh, I see how it is. <laughs> kind of, You summon the devil. Stuff. You get sent to the corner of the room. Hey, it's like everything else in D and D. It's you know, you want you get a power, you want to play with it. Rift just let that power be astronomically huge at level one. Well, yeah, I mean, rifters are pretty powerful uh, individuals. So, very cool to play, but uh, if you're not you know, keen with them, they could, you can really yeah. mess up someone's game. I love Rifts. Uh, I hope to start a Rift game very soon. Um, yeah. yeah right. I saw the source material for it at Gen Con this year, and I almost bought a bunch of it just to get reintroduced to it again. It's all new. Uh, so I started with 3.0 in middle school about 2000, 2001. Um, 3.0 Started middle school, but I didn't really take off with it until uh, my freshman year of high school when I made friends with a guy in my art class who was already running some games in the neighborhood a few towns over. And so every weekend I would take the train down to his neighborhood and we would play in the basement of a mother's friend. Yes. And then he and then eventually he brought me into the group that I've some of the players in our group now that I've been playing with for about almost 16 years um like played with these guys all through my adolescence up until now in my early 30s <laughs> so yeah and you know uh 3.0 to 3.5 pathfinder played a, tons of stuff tons of stuff yep. bit of everything uh what about you tony what, what's your favorite dnd edition or what's the first edition you started with the first edition I started with was 3.5. Okay. And I would say back then I was a min-maxer and there was a lot to min-max. It was almost like uh, it was there was no true optimal. And so I loved the building aspect of it. But the thing is, there's just so much variety back in it. Uh, after I got past the min-max phase, there was just so much you could do and so much materials available for you to work with that I just absolutely loved it. Um, it was more complicated and slow, though, uh, when it came to, uh, like, the rolling parts. So um, I would say, like, I was also a fan of uh, Pathfinder and World of Darkness. Uh, not D&D, but... Uh, I really liked the simplicity of World of Darkness. So, right on. I like that. Yeah. World of Darkness is good. Hey, we've talked about throwing together a group for World of Darkness, but we've talked about throwing groups together for World of Darkness, Starfinder. <laughs> um, I know some people have been like, "Oh, why don't we do Slayers D twenty again?" I've got all the Besom books. I mean, honestly, <laughs> at this point, it's 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 the amount of free time we have. That limits us on what we're able to do. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm thinking of taking from the vampire series, not oh, yeah. the D D, but vampire uh, and werewolf, taking some of the classes out of there and implementing into season two. So, like when they go to like a castle to fight a vampire, it's completely from another system, but like formatted to to yeah. do. Yeah, I think yeah, that'd be cool. I love their powers. Ruha, Venture. I think Malkavian. I was gonna go for a Malkavian. I'm like perfect. I'll do a ah crazy in D and D. Excellent. Yeah, it's gonna. Played a Nosferatu one time in one game that I played at a hobby shop. They had like 30 players all playing a vampire game. That was a lot of fun. Oh, you were ugly then. Yeah, but I got to sneak around and be invisible, so I wasn't. I was okay with that. I have to say one thing that uh, it is kind of making me think of that uh, because of the Nosferatu. Every once in a while, it is kind of nice to to flush out your min max. Uh, pretty much like <laughs> like I remember once it's like all right, we're doing an epic level one shot. Build to your heart's content. Any source books go, and it just lets everyone flush it out of their system. Was that the evil campaign? Uh, yeah, that was one. Well, I'm not sure if it was an evil campaign. I. Was that the I one where you were the ghost? Character. Yeah. Was that, that was, I, I, uh, okay, that's I, the one I ran, yeah. Yeah, I was a fiend of possession. <laughs> and, and, and you possessed a house. 
Yeah. With people inside it. Yeah. And you poltergeisted them. But yeah, Monster. getting able to getting to flush out your system is is quite quite nice. I Can't did, be uh, the hero all the time. I did D and D in a castle a couple years ago, and we went from level one. It was a four day game event. Went from one to I think sixteen. And that was wow. brutal, just trying to keep up like every little session. All right, you gain three levels. And it's like, how do I play this character? I'm like, oh, I've never played this character. And it's your power leveling every day. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I think that's the most I've ever just power leveled a character. Usually, you know, I do the milestone. I've done the milestone from the beginning. Uh, I don't like experience points because everybody will gain it at different points. And I want to try to keep everybody you know, flowing on the same level. I feel like we always yeah. did too. Even our old games, like when we did like that Titans Grave game, um, I even kind of did that. I rolled like a, yeah, the, the, the milestone just cause yeah, you're right. It's well, I'm trying to keep track of all the experience and like, there's better ways to reward yeah. players than just being like, Oh, by the way, here's a level because I like the way you played tonight. It's like, no, let's keep the power flow a little bit and I'll reward you with, you know story beats or items yeah. or like there's so many other ways you can reward players that feel more satisfying like i feel yeah. like levels are kind of inherent it's like yeah. yeah you should gain power so you can have fun with your character and build your character like i love leveling not only from an aspect of my character gets stronger but i can make the decisions for my characters based on how i played my character yeah so for instance my paladin from the podcast lokar I started him as a paladin and when he wanted more power instead of rolling into more paladin levels i rolled into warlock powers and i just Eesh. took on kind of a god inherently and said hey i'm gonna do this a little bit differently but i role played through that in a in a fun way for me and my character nice i like that um uh, yep anybody got a question? yeah story beats are quite nice uh mostly because it helps uh <laughs> You know, like all of a sudden you kill some rats and all of a sudden now you're like level two and like I can cast spells now. Like why why did killing a bunch of rats make it so you can just you now do like you know, a massive color spray or something like that now? Like yeah. it makes more sense like like because you could actually tie it to story or like there's bigger events happening and so it can slow down and it helps give a finer tuned control, I'd say, to the story and and the yeah. flow of what the DM wants. I'm just imagining a level one wizard hitting level two, and all the spells he learned is about shooting rat poison, <laughs> like hands of raid. It's like yeah. I leveled off rats. All right, all the spells you know, you shoot rat poison out of your fingertips. <laughs> yeah, but it also I, makes even less sense. Like, oh, uh, like you have a wizard, and it's un underground. Like, where the hell is he going to learn the spells? Like, all of a sudden, ding. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. There you go. This one was scribed like this rat was writing something in the mud. I learned it from there. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you can be a wizard who a wizard or sorcerer who is a devotee of a god of magic and maybe it just whispers sweet magical nothings into your ears. Yeah. But it's also like the equivalent of like you kill a rat and it drops a great sword. <laughs> like, hey, that's to... MMO logic. We don't accept that here. We already used... killed fourth edition. Let it lie dead. <laughs> I, I used to have my players. They'd have to search the bodies. I, if they killed an animal or a monster, they had to get inside of the creature to get the loot that they had inside of it, just to spice it up a little bit. Because again, nice. yes, yeah, you know, a long sword. And, you know, the bear had a long sword. Like, where was it? I ate yeah. the dude. They have bodies of, of holding. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like from now on, I'm not gonna have a bag. Of, I'm just gonna keep a whole bunch of rats and just put my swords <laughs> I, I you know I take it back I did do experience for about three or four years and I was realizing my friends were coming over you know individually one at a time we'd sit there be playing some video game and they'd be like so uh so uh can my character go can we can we do that can we game right now and I'm like oh you just want xp I see what you're doing you're trying to get to that level three <laughs> <laughs> don't don't fault me i'm just you know we can one one shot this you know like oh yeah it makes sense it's true i guess it, yeah doing experience does take away a little bit of the creativity and yeah people are just doing things trying to get more experience or they walk into the pub and they just start stabbing people yeah i oh they're all humans oh 300 xp per person how many can i kill maybe i can kill yeah. three they try to avoid level. murder hobos yeah. <laughs> 
You heard it here, here first. It's uh, yeah, XP makes murder hobos. <laughs> That's how D and D got started. <laughs> yeah, or I, you know, so what? What is the one magical item that you throw in your game games that you guys run consistently? Uh, like in my games, I have the deck of many things, and I put the deck of many things in pretty much every tavern. You can go to the se- second floor. And you'll see like a gypsy or someone flipping cards. You know, I always have that out there where you could you could draw from the deck of many things. It's not just one deck per, you know, campaign. It's there's always that option to go and, you know, tempt fate and uh, do stuff like that. So I put that in every uh, single game. It seems dangerous. I it would is. say like as of I have not run a single not run like been in a single campaign. Uh, I've done like, I don't know, 10, 15 campaigns now by requirement. And also it's very flexible too. a bag of holding is necessary. <laughs> like it is necessary. It's the ultimate um, rule breaker for, uh, for over encumbrance. <laughs> yeah. But it, also, it has so many uses like, you know, like, you know, sneak people in locations or, uh, you don't put people in a bag of holding if they can you hold could. their breath. They can hold their breath. Or a warforged. They don't need to breathe. Yeah. But there, there there's lots of little uses, uh, especially if you also have. Oh, I always wanted one, but I never got one affordable hole because I just. Tony, just I just imagine you. Looney Tunes it. for inspiration. There you yeah. go. That's why <laughs> no. I imagine you with that. I just imagine chaos from you, Tony. Yeah. That's all I do. <laughs> Um, I would say, yeah, like Tony was saying, the uh, bag of holding, the Heward's handy haversack are pretty much, I would say, the only magical items that I see consistently used throughout all of our campaigns that we've played. Um, one item I like to reuse in different campaigns that I've played with different groups um, and is usually a BBEG item, which Eric like Eric does not like this item, I don't think. Um, oh is, is this the, the crown? This is the crown of possession in which an evil spirit is constricted within a crown and anyone who wears it runs the risk of being possessed by the crown. I like it. That might be what happened to my paladin. Might be. <laughs> you know, we didn't say it happened to paladin. We could have happened to the cuddle barbarian. Could have. Could have. It's still a source of contention in our group. <laughs> it, it's still a source of contention. But that is always a fun item to use, and I totally stole that from a Japanese D&D series called Record of Lotus War from the 80s, in which one of their BBEGs is a crown of possession itself. And that is just such a fun idea because it always just gets such a shocked reaction every time someone's like, yeah, we defeated it. And it's like, okay, roll your will save because now you have to resist the charm effect of putting it on, and then you have to resist being possessed by it. Otherwise, guess what? You're the new BBEG. Yep. <laughs> and then you cast Disintegrate on your own party members. I like that. Yeah, that, that totally happened. Yeah, I, I don't think I have any <laughs> items in particular that I've always used. Um, I'm a big fan, though, of putting in items that when you mix them together, create more power. Um, I ran all, like, a bit, kind of off the Avengers Infinity Stones uh, thing I ran a campaign one time where I basically had them collecting stones and like if they had them on their person they got like a bonus to a stat like I think that's just a fun way to kind of roll that stuff around where you have like a tradable item that can be like empowered like that and depending on how many you have maybe they have different effects yeah I, I took the materia from Final Fantasy and so there you go my characters like some of them find you know glowing gems and either don't do anything with it or they know what that means and so like they try to embed it in their weapons and you know that's how that works (laughs) so i was gonna so how did you guys come up with your name so um i i'm kind of personally responsible for the infinity's end uh side of things uh it was actually an old world of warcraft uh guild that basically me, my wife, and a couple friends created a long time ago, just as we created as kind of a paradox. It's that whole like, well, what's the end of infinity? Well, there isn't. So it's infinity's end. Um, So it was, and then, so we made a guild out of that. And then that kind of became our, our kind of tag for anything we did where we needed like a group or a guild name or whatever. And so when we kind of talked about doing the podcast, I'm like, well, I, I like this name and I think it's fun to throw it out there and it's kind of unique and, I just like the way it sounds. Because, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you hear it, it sounds kind of cool, but then when you really think about it, you're like, 
wait a minute <laughs> yeah no i took a couple of looks well on, on instagram it, it's mushed together so i was like yeah put the spaces in and then like, <laughs> oh yeah that makes sense uh, yeah know. that's the sad unfortunate thing about how big it is is yeah things like twitter don't like it and then yeah most places it ends up getting kind of pegged together because either they don't like spaces or whatever yeah that's why for the maximum role i'd put the underscore in between so that there was i wasn't that smart when i started grabbing all the names <laughs> <laughs> when we started doing this well no originally i had it set like that but then you look at it and it's just like hmm what does that say you know that kind of thing so yeah yeah put those gaps in there stupid instagram i love instagram don't kick, don't kick me off um, so uh let's see here what else? i have a laundry list of just random stuff so i mean we kind of went over the characters the classes styles mm -hmm. uh you know here's one that i kind of mix up you know i ask every show so far so if each one of you were trapped in a room with no door, with one person of your choosing, one set of dice, one other book besides the PHP, who would that be, what book, and how long would you stay in there with them? Um, I, I guess I'd probably, well, mine's pretty obvious. I'd go with my wife. <laughs> oh, come on now. Me and my wife. No, I know. No, but honestly, like me and my wife, um, we love kind of theory crafting through all sorts of different things. Like we both play WoW uh, and like we love just discussing like what we're going to do with characters and things like that. Like we we just love doing that. Um, and it, I, I'd probably end up picking the book and I I feel like it's cliche at this point. Not really, I guess, but I, I'm loving the Tasha's Cauldron of Everything okay. just because of all the subclasses like i love the idea of taking these base classes and then kind of manipulating and morphing them into almost what feel like different entire styles of a class i mean like yeah when you have like the rogue that can get magical powers when you have you know fighters now can get like magical powers like it's just kind of a neat way that you can kind of mix these things up and make them into almost entirely new things like huge fan of the final fantasy tactics style game where you had like the job classes yeah, yeah. and like you could just mix and match and do all the different things like i love that idea and i'd almost love to incorporate something like that into D, &D even turn you everybody could, yeah, into like, frogs and let them circle and hit each other slowly there you go but <laughs> yeah and i would love off. i would love to be able to kind of do somewhat of a like a, a a character swap mechanic like that where you could kind of like empower yourself in different styles but yeah i think the i think tasha's cauldron really brought a whole lot of customization to the game and i still need to finish that book <laughs> yeah and what i meant to say is any book of any edition it doesn't have to be fifth but i'm primarily in fifth but <laughs> so then on that note i will there take over um i would i would choose god it's a hard one yeah. it would well, it would be it it would have to be it would have to be it would have to be tony as my choice of person. Aww. And if you and say it, you, <laughs> so sweet. I, it's I, it's like high school over again when your mother thought we were a certain way and we weren't. Um, I, I had one oh. guy. He's like, oh, I'm, I picked my sister in law. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I'll take my sister in law. And, and I'm like, all right. And it could be. And if, and if Tony and if and if Tony wasn't available, I would choose Charlie. Um, <laughs> But Tony would be my first choice, and I would choose the Red Dragon Inn book. Mm. Because that is everything you need for any sort of adventure involving a tavern. And most of my memories of having fun with Tony in game is him causing trouble in taverns, whether he is a halfling warlock or a, uh, a orc character that's ripping doors off hinges. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, our for our friend Charlie's campaign a while back, our characters met by him literally being the enemy, smashing his hand through the floorboards, grabbing my dwarf cleric and pulling him into the floor like a horror movie. Yeah, that was that was fun. Like Charlie's <laughs> like, like, all right, so how do you want to be introduced? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I wrote down like on a little piece of paper of one through six input uh, left, left wall, right wall, backside, front, roof, <laughs> 
floor and I just got the floor. So I'm like, I'm coming in through the floor. <laughs> so, so, so what dice? You guys forgot the dice. A metal, wood, gemstone. Uh, ooh. You know, I'm I'm a fan of actually I've got my favorite dice on me at my desk. Um, I usually run with these pink and black mixed basic plastic yeah. I love the idea of metal dice but I feel like they every time I roll them roll. It, it's like rolling weighted weights I guess they're terrible yeah. to roll I bought a yeah. set and I'm like yeah this is going to be fun tons. and then I was like oh these are awful <laughs> I have tons of uh, Norse foundry dice that I, that I use metal and aluminum and nice I have, I have hundreds of dice <laughs> what dg yeah. player doesn't one, one of my players she's uh she makes dice she's a dice maker she's nice mm-hmm. oh that's nice yeah. i've got like a what are they called barrel dice just because uh, i thought they're they... interesting and then i've also just got various other dice that are like mm, I, things that are not dice that i say are dice like uh, yeah. my d2 is <laughs> a coin and my d2 and my infinite die or d1 i'm not sure Oh yeah, yeah. It's a just a marble. Yep. Anyway, anyway. Okay. So tell uh, me, I like to have fun with it. You're in that same situation scenario. Who who would it be, and what book would you have with you? Uh, I was gonna say uh, I'd go with Steve uh, primarily because um, he's very creative and able to come up with very dynamic uh, uh, many different character concepts. Uh, but in terms of the book, I would have no idea. Aside from the PHB, um, frankly, uh, the internet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of Roll Twenty website. <laughs> yes, that's cool. I just need D and D Beyond. <laughs> We're not getting paid by them. Shush. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, that's uh, myself. I. Second edition Monster Manual uh, would be my book because I wouldn't need mm. anything else other than that and Player's Handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, metal Dice. And then I would have yesterday I had Will Wheaton. So today I will have Will Farrell. Yeah, the problem is if you take Will Wheaton, you can't let him touch your dice. I hear that a lot. I don't, I have to talk oh, to him and find out. I've, I've seen the, the, the videos of him rolling dice and I used to watch tabletop where he would play like actual board games i love that show every anytime i need to learn how to play a game i'm like come on wheaton tell me what to do (laughs) Um, yeah he he literally had the worst dice and like he he i think somebody took the average of all his dice he's rolled on like different games he is well below the average of what you should be rolling on dice (laughs) i'd love to have him on the show just so i could talk to him but uh yeah everybody seems to pick people within their group and i'm like it could be anybody. I mean, you could play with like Sean Connery, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be living, obviously. Uh, That's fair. Maybe I'll. I mean, Gary Gygax would be such a fun person oh, yeah. to play with. Oh my god! What? Because when he designed First Edition, it wasn't meant for people to survive. So if you've ever played First Edition, uh, and I say this in every episode, if you walk up to a door in, in one of his death dungeons. And you go, okay, I open the door and the DM's like looking at the sheet. It's got like six different things. Oh, roll a D6. And you roll it and it's like uh, three. Oh, you're dead. Well, what happened? <laughs> it just says you're dead. You know, it just says you're dead. <laughs> every, every room had to have an encounter. Uh, mm-hmm. You had a chance of running into something in every single room. It could be a dragon. <laughs> you just didn't know. So every everything you went into. So playing with Gary Gygax is dangerous because you might only survive the one room that you're in with and that's if you like sneezed wrong you could die yeah but i would hope by i mean yeah i guess if we're talking gary gygax yeah when he first made dnd i'm hoping he evolved a little bit towards Uh, i'm sure he did good in second edition and yeah i'm sure it was one of those things where like as a concept that's what he did to get it out there and then yeah as his mind kind of wrapped around the rules and yeah that's what i hope for (laughs) i've heard his son's really cool so yeah that'd be cool all right, guys. Well, do you have any uh, any questions for me? Anything you want to ask or anything like that? 
one one that's been sitting in my head is how do you manage to control the deck of many things in every one of your campaigns <laughs> like how like that like whenever i go po- through anything like things you should not give characters that's usually on the top <laughs> hey, I, I tell him i was like uh one of my players i taught him how to back in 2000 he's one of my he's been playing for 20 years with me 21 years and I've put the deck of many things in every campaign that we've done. We've done from second edition all the way up to fifth. And our Halloween special, I put the deck of many things in on the podcast. And he immediately knew what this person was doing. He's like, I take 12. I was like, Whoa. what? He's like, yep, I'm taking 12. And that's just how I'm going to do it. And, you know, everybody took cards. You know, everybody's going to do it. Some people didn't even know what the deck of many things was. <laughs> and, but they still drew cards. And then that episode actually ended up corrupting. And we had to read the episode. Uh, and then I was like, you guys going to have a max of three. But guess what everybody did? Everybody took three. I was uh, like, you don't have to take three. So I think people just like the randomness of it like yeah, they just so, like the idea that anything could happen it could be it's like gambling it's like introducing yeah. wild magic in yeah to our normal players so so uh, uh my bard her alignment changed she got a keep and a wondrous item so to uh, her it was great <laughs> yeah so for the bard the wondrous item was the guitar from godsmack she got sully's guitar but then nice. she got that deed to his tower and so <laughs> Then she drew the card where he's the mortal enemy of her. And so she has to go and kill him to take over the tower and to keep her weapon. Uh, and that's going to be their base of operations if they kill, you know, Sully from God's Man. Nice. Um, which I'm hoping we have a lot. We have a real band that does our intro and outro for Crumpets and Kerosene. I'm gonna, they're from Chile. Uh, they're called Iron Heed. I'm going to try to get them to come on the show and play bards within the tower and so how nice they're gonna be trying to fight everybody off that's cool see if i can get some good riffs there you go yeah so yeah the deck of many things uh i put it in there and you know i don't i don't let them take it back i'm like one person's alignment completely changed they don't they're still coping with how to change it you know work with it uh some people lost levels some people lost everything one person lost his soul and then they they got him back though but uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you have to adapt to it. If you're going to put something in the in your games as a DM, you have to be able be able to work with what's happening, especially if it's a podcast. Like you can't just kill yeah. someone off. You have to like there there has to be a way to recover the person because I don't want to just you know imprison someone in the void forever. So I just put well, I guess in. that's the one crutch about the deck of many is so many of those things are at DM discretion. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this person's soul is trapped somewhere by DM discretion. It's like, well, okay, that could be over well, there. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the, the dungeon, that the tower that they're going through, you know, yeah. there's, there's an eye of Beholder roaming around that he could see. He was inside this tiny little jar, and he's like, I see the Beholder, and I see the general manager of the hotel. I'm <laughs> at the end. I can't tell anybody anything. I am at the end. And, uh, you know, they got him back and all that jazz, but they had to carry his body and they just stuffed it in the bag of holding, which every, I, of course, <laughs> very useful. <laughs> so what I did for bags of holding for Halloween, everybody got candy bags, the candy bags for bag of holding, but mm. people didn't know that until they picked like one person has like the little pumpkin pail. Another one has like a, you know, a pillow sack uh someone has a plastic bag i think and i'm like okay all right nice those are your bag of holding by the way and everybody's like oh fuck <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that little pumpkin pail doesn't work real it's got a kind of an open exposed top that you can't really close <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah so but she, anything could fall into it <laughs> she plays a really evil artificer um and they she fought teddy teddy Ruxpick from nice you know the 80s you know in in my halloween special i had buffalo bill i had the chick from misery i had all kinds of stuff in this massive hotel and uh you know that's just everybody got special little powers and armor and gear from there and they got spit out and they're on their way to zone two but (laughs) yeah the deck of many things is such a wonderful item for me i love it because you can tell you can tell them 
that it's there and every single person will be like all right i'll take one i'll just take one yep you know i'll just see what it does it's the uh, it's it's like the slot machines at the bar in yeah. the D universe. <laughs> yeah, but in my world, they don't disappear. Like when you take a card, it just doesn't disappear. Like mm. in that deck. So if as a group, if you're all drawing, then they disappear. But like you go to the next end, the full deck is still sitting. Yeah. There, you know, that's a lot of wishes you could potentially get. <laughs> yeah, someone got a wish. Like man, I wish I could get out of here. I wish I knew. They didn't know they had the wishing stone, and so they burned through all three wishes instantly. And everybody's like, "Wait!" <laughs> you know, they ended up outside, and he's like, ah, "That's a waste." And like, dude, I want him. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us on uh, Maximum Roll Entertainment, guys. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks. All right. Join us each week as we interview other folks within our industry. If you would like to be on the show, go ahead and email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links are in the show notes along with our guests that we had on today all of their social medias are linked in the show notes as well and check them out on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you download your podcast we also have some other shows joining us on the network coming up shows like crumpets and kerosene late night with jess and jam dungeons dragons and dice constructed chaos and adventures roundtable So stay tuned and learn more about those shows in the coming months. Thanks for listening. Have a great and wonderful day.